Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 13 seconds to go in the overtime. 22 to 19 San Francisco. McKinnon is in at running back. First down and goal to go. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown! Kansas City! McCall Hardman! McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side! A three-yard touchdown pass in overtime! Kansas City wins the game! 25-22! Kansas City, you have yourselves a dynasty. For sure. What a game, huh? Wow. Great game. Great job there, Mitch, by the way. I'm playing good the to... clip. Yeah, I did oh, a good yeah. job playing the clip, didn't I? Yeah, that was awesome. It was a heck of a game. That might have been my phone. I apologize. Oh, I, thought I thought that was a computer. I, that I sounded like I had a, com- it down, but like a computer noise. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats. Wyatt Thompson, AJ Shaw, wearing his lavender today, is on the board, and he'll answer your calls. If you want to call in, we have phone lines open all two hours of the show. Phone number is 785-537-1350 if you want to talk Cats. And, of course, we'll talk K-State men's basketball, a one-in-one week. Uh, played Monday against KU, played Saturday at BYU. We'll get Wyatt's uh, reaction to that here in hour number one. Fingers crossed, Aokali is able to return this week. We'll also talk about that, plus preview K-State's next opponent as the men basically have the week off. They'll play again on Saturday, this Saturday. It's actually a men's and women's doubleheader. The men will have the main event at 4 o'clock. I'm sorry, they'll play first, 11 a.m. against TCU. The women on Saturday uh, will play at 4 o'clock against UCF. And by the way, K-State baseball starts on Friday. One of the most highly anticipated seasons that I can remember for K-State baseball will get underway on Friday. Let, let's start out with the Super Bowl. I know it's Wildcat Insider. Th- there is a crossover because the Chiefs had two cats on the team that were last year. Not big- to mention that guy that you just played as oh, well, true. a K-Stater. I yeah. mean, one of the biggest K-Staters you'll find. No doubt. Former voice of the Cats, Mitch Holtis. Um, but yesterday, last night, at Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, Nevada, King Felix, Andy D.K. Uzama, and Echo Boido got themselves a, a, a Super Bowl ring. Um, and I was telling you right before the show, you know, just just focusing on them and their journey to just get to this spot. Echo didn't play last night, but he was undrafted. I mean, you know, he, he barely makes it into a camp. And then he impresses enough. He makes it to the final cut ends up on the practice squad. He gets to play in a couple of games, play some special teams. For Felix, first-round draft pick, I'll be quite honest with you. I, I know everybody wanted to make the argument that, well, listen, Charles Aminahue's now playing, so now Felix isn't going to get enough playing time. Well, before Charles Aminahue was playing, Felix was struggling mm-hmm. a little bit. He struggled in training camp. It's been a rough rookie season for Felix. But all season long, he had also just had that one tackle for loss. It was a sack that he shared, uh, and that was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I loved that Felix 
got himself a solo tackle for loss in the biggest game of them all. Mm-hmm. I was so proud of him. It, it has to be an amazing journey for both of those guys when you think about the last year plus of being Big 12 champions, right? I mean, playing in the Sugar Bowl, K-State's first ever New Year's Six game. And then the next thing you know, um, and you chronicled it pretty well there with Echo, um, I I am amazed that, you know, he got the opportunity to get into a couple of games, as you said, just based on, you know, what had happened to him in the months leading up to that. I, I thought he would have a real chance to hook on somewhere, even if it was a practice squad, and was thrilled that that happened for him. Uh, but, you know, Felix – and I I think Felix went to camp not, not at 100%. I don't know how much that hurt him, but making that transition at his position, well, any position, but but at that position, uh, with with that kind of uh, competition on the team would be most difficult. And it's true. I mean, think about how good the Chiefs' corners are, where Echo plays. He's got to be learning like crazy, you know, in that first mm-hmm. year. But but here's the thing: you you mentioned it. He gets he gets a, a a tackle in the game and it's a tackle for loss and um, those two guys are going to wear a uh, Big Twelve championship ring and a Super Bowl ring not that far apart that's that's impressive period end of story they'll it's it's a year plus that they'll never ever 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 forget Felix had a cool video that he put on, I believe is on Instagram. And he basically just filmed himself walking out of the tunnel for the first time <laughs> yeah. onto the field at Allegiant Stadium, which he has been there before. But this is Super Bowl where he's going to play. Charles Aminihu is hurt, mm-hmm. so he's out. So that means you know Felix is going to get a little bit more playing time and tackle for loss against Christian McCaffrey. But you could just tell like he took a second to take it all in, walked out. Even though it's just it's an NFL stadium, but it's different. Because you have Super Bowl logos all over the place. There's going to be a ton of celebrities there. Millions upon millions of people are going to watch that game. And and Felix made it. Plus, he's a Kansas City kid. Echoes from Lawrence. Right. I mean, they're Chiefs fans growing up. Exactly. And that's part, I uh, probably should have mentioned that a moment ago, part of what makes this and what's happened to them, you know, uh, just an, a great and amazing story. I don't know if either of those guys – if they were sitting here with us, would tell you that they even thought about that. I, I, I've heard Felix say before he grew up, you know, loving the Chiefs and what have you. Uh, but, I mean, you go back to the draft night. I mean, th- those things just, they don't happen all that often. And for him to experience that and, and then this <laughs> in, in the same in, in the same season, wow, what what a spectacular ride it had to be. Ups and downs, sure, yeah. but what a ride. So why is Patrick Mahomes the GOAT? Yeah, I think right now, sure. I mean, he's he's following a situation there with Brady who is, just was off the charts. And I don't know that, that Tom necessarily is any more skilled than Mahomes. Would you would you think? I don't think so. I no. I, I mean, I think I, I'm I'm not an NFL talent evaluator, but I, I I do think Mahomes just has that it factor, like all great ones do. And we were talking off air there before the show started for for Kansas City to 
go through the ups. There are ups and downs in all seasons, but let's be honest. This one had some big bumps in it uh, and might have been Patrick's most frustrating year as a pro offensively. And yet when they get to postseason play, you could just see them take it to a different level. And let's remind us ourselves, fans listening here, they won at Buffalo. They won at Baltimore and then beat the 49ers. Wow. That's crazy. I have many thoughts, and I'll try to squeeze it in here in a short amount of time. Uh, Big key is, of course, Kansas City, even though it was probably Patrick's worst offense he's had to work with, still won a Super Bowl. I think this has been his best defense. Oh, no question. I don't think it's even close. Yeah, I mean, this, this defense for the Chiefs was just incredible this year. Tops in the NFL. No doubt about that. For Patrick, I mean, comparing him to Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady won three Super Bowls in his first four years, and in between that, he didn't make the playoffs. I think after in his second year, didn't make the playoffs. People forget, you know, after Tom Brady won that third Super Bowl, didn't win another one for ten years, right? Um, and that's did, a pretty long stretch. Did go to a couple. Um, you know, I think there's a a couple of differences here. One in six years of Patrick Mahomes being a starter. They've made it to an AFC Championship game every year, and they have hosted five of the six. They've gone on to play in four Super Bowls and won three of them. Yeah. Um, and he's 28 years old. Yeah, and as an athlete, as an athlete, Patrick Mahomes certainly tops Tom Brady. I think through Tom Brady's career, he's been surrounded by more talent. I will just say, I mean, looking forward, who knows how much longer Travis Kelsey is going to play. Mm-hmm. But I think once Travis Kelsey is done, then we'll really see what Patrick Mahomes and whoever else he's surrounded by offensively, then we'll really see what the guy can do. It was a pretty good night for Chiefs fans as well because they got to see John Elway give the Lombardi trophy to them. Yeah, if you're a Chiefs fan, that was the icing on the cake. And you win a playoff game in the Raiders stadium, and the Raiders haven't won a playoff game there yet. <laughs> Well, in fairness, they haven't been there very long, but and also they're, they're they're not very good yet either. No, um, the Elway thing, I, I I'm sure the Chiefs fans um, really probably did enjoy that, and they've they've had their way in with the AFC West since Patrick is, and, and even before a little bit with, <clears throat> excuse me, the end of the Trent Green era there, right? I mean, the Chiefs have owned the West here for the last. Ten years, nine years. I don't know what the streak is at, yeah. but it's a it's a long streak. Pretty, pretty legit. But back to your point about um, Kelsey, it's it's a good point. He he is a special uh, talent. That's obvious, and and a different and probably special personality. I think sometimes you get judged by some of the things you say every bit as much as you do of performance on the field. And in his case, um, that might not be all bad. There are a lot of people that don't like the guy that aren't Chiefs fans. Would you say that's accurate? I mean, especially now that they've won three Super Bowls. But the one thing that he has that I think Patrick Mahomes has, the bigger the stage, the better they are. You know how hard that is to do? It's off the charts hard. Question for you. Did you know that the postseason overtime rules had changed 
Yeah, I did. I guess I missed that news. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I was like Kyle Shanahan in the in the 49ers. I didn't realize that the the playoff rules had changed for overtime. Well, what's ironic is is that it was the Bills and the Chiefs that led to that overtime being changed, and it ends up benefiting the Chiefs in the end. It's absolutely true, because everybody complained, whined, whatever you want to say that when the Chiefs won that playoff game, Buffalo didn't have a chance. Well, that's the way the rules were written at that point. Thus, the change, right? But yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time thinking that the Kyle Shanahan didn't know that that there that the playoff was different, or, or the overtime is different in the playoffs than in the regular season. I, I have a hard time understanding that that's possible. You, Forty Nine er players were saying that in post game to whatever yeah. media that they weren't aware of the of the rule changes. Meanwhile. There were some Chiefs players, and maybe even Andy Reid was talking about it after the game that they were practicing or they were getting prepared for that during training camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's—I don't know how you guys look at this either, but I didn't think about it so much at the at the flip. But would you think if the Niners won the flip again, they'd take the ball second? Yeah, I think they would too. I was surprised, honestly, that. With with the way it's changed, it's more of an advantage being on the back half because you know you know what's in front of you. Okay, if you're the first team, you know you you. Then they ended up kicking the field goal, which I thought at the time was that's smart, right? You you got to get points here, uh, but man, I I just thought I thought that was a mistake, and Kyle didn't make many mistakes, but I thought that was one. What did you think of Usher at halftime? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I had no expectations because I literally, of all of those people that performed over that, whatever that was, 18, 20 minutes, I had no knowledge of any of them. That certainly ages me and dates me or whatever you want to say there. But, I mean, I tried to watch it. I... I but I have to be honest. When it when it was over, I'm I'm I come I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, there's 18 or 20 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. I just was like underwhelmed. But but again, I don't have any appreciation for the that type of music. I've just never gone there, right or wrong. That's just the way it is. Well, there are a lot of people who love it. Let me ask AJ because like all those musicians that were on stage, rappers <laughs> and and hip hop artists and. R&B singers like Alicia Keys, I knew of them because they just kind of came out when I was growing up. And, mm. of course, nothing's more nostalgic to somebody than stuff that happened in your life when you were growing up from music or movies or TV shows or whatever. AJ, were you familiar with many of those artists on stage? I was. I mean, that was pretty much, you know, that was kind of the reunion of the late aughts, early 2000s R&B people. I mean, that that was kind of, I, I knew I knew every single one of them. With the exception of Lil John and uh, Ludacris, who are more rappers, and yeah, but I recognize those guys. I don't really watch the halftime show; it's not really my cup of tea. But I did know who those guys were. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I mm-hmm. I can't say I probably misled you there a little bit. I don't want to do that, but like I'm I'm not saying that I sat there and watched the whole thing. I mean, I I went to the restroom, I went and got another drink, came back downstairs. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff, but. Just generally speaking, I knew I was going to be out of my league going into it, right? I, I just did. Um, 
I didn't know the guy that sang before Reba. Reba was the one person I did know. Post but, Malone. But because that's yeah. me. That you know, that's how I grew up. I, I I didn't grow up with hip hop and rhythm and blues. I I grew up in a family that loved country music. My my both of my parents did. So that's who I am. What I know. I'm not even sure if we've ever had a a well Shania Twain one year, but that was gosh, that's been twenty years probably at least. I think yeah. she may have been the last country artist to. Yeah, and calling her a country show. artist is a little shaky. Yeah, in, more popular. Right? Yeah. But, but but yeah, I, I get the point. Um, but anyway, I, I just, I just felt a little bit, well, out of, out of my league, I think, you know, you get to, as you get older and you, you have no, uh, knowledge of those people at all, uh, right, right or wrong. I, that, that's me. <laughs> I'm in that old fogey group, I guess now. See, what we got to do is uh, <laughs> bring the who back like they or, or bring back Springsteen or bring back you too. And then why I don't know who that is. Yeah, that, that's absolutely that's accurate. That's what we should do. Yeah. I, well, I don't think they'll do anything to they're, – they're not interested in my demographic. <laughs> well, I, I got I mean, the, they're just not, right? I mean yeah. – I, I mean, I don't know how doable it is if I, – I know there may be some advertising issues with it, but, I mean, I would, wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Swift was next year. Really? I mean, just because the money she generated for the NFL just by showing up to games. Sure. Um, you know – She's kind of the the, the NFL's darling well, right now. Well, there isn't anybody Outside bigger here. in music today, right? No, it, regardless no. of genre, right? She is. Yeah. I mean, she is. Yeah. You know, I I'm just like if social media and all this was around when the Beatles were a thing, oh. the Beatles were already gigantic. They would be out of this world if all that was around back when they had Beatles mania. You know, I think Taylor Swift is an example of what that would be like. If the Beatles had all that around, so has she done like similar things with five or <clears throat> excuse me five or six songs in the top ten at one time, like they did? Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Yeah, I mean that has only happened a few times in the history of the planet. That's that's impressive if no, she's done yeah, that. Respect, respect is. Yeah. I, I I don't know her music that well. I'm kind of like you. I'm out of my league when it comes to her music, but I think she's a fantastic person. I, I will say this I, though. I, I will say this. Just watching the Chiefs as much as I do and knowing almost nothing. I think I had heard one of her songs, one, and it was kind of a countryish song. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew really nothing about her. After, after this season, you kind of feel like you have a, an appreciation for her commitment to coming to you know, back Travis and watch him play. Yeah, because she was. That's, uh, that's that's pretty cool. Was it the day before, maybe two days prior to the Super Bowl? She had a concert in Japan. Yeah, and then flew back. I mean, she got the money to do it. She, well, sure, she can she make got, it happen. She's uh -huh. going to be there. But yeah. I think I thought it was cool. Like they would show her on TV, and like I think we watched a football fan or somebody that maybe wasn't the biggest sports fan grow into a bigger Become fan one? as the games. <laughs> sure, you know, as more and more she fell in love with Travis Kelsey. I don't know, I think they're kind of fun to watch, you know. They're they're cool like, you know. I don't have any problem with Taylor Swift being on TV. It's for a couple of seconds. I like that on the final play she was holding Donna Kelsey's hand mm -hmm. when the play to I mean I think that's kind of neat. I don't have a problem with that. There's no I don't think there's no hidden agenda for sure. <laughs> yeah, well everybody's talking about her. Yeah. And when that's happening, that's hey, there what's the old saying? There is no such thing as bad publicity? No. Have you heard that? I have. Yeah. 
Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get back to the Cats. We'll talk K-State hoops. A win over KU, but a loss to BYU. We'll talk K-State men's basketball after these words. Sato.com presents Passport to Cabo with News Radio KMAN. The giveaway for Cabo is officially underway. It's an all-expense paid trip to Cabo San Lucas, eight days, seven nights. You'll get a two-bedroom beachfront condo at Villa La Valencia. Guys, this is where Jerome Tang goes to vacation. This is top-notch, high-class location. Plus a flight for two out of Manhattan Regional Airport. Two register this week. Head out to Fifely Jewelers. They're on the west side of town. The first 10 finalists will be drawn Friday between 4 and 5 p.m. Again, go to Fifely Jewelers and get signed up to become a finalist to win this trip to Cabo. Once again, presented by BriggsAuto.com. Also sponsored by Manhattan Wrecker and Godfrey's Indoor Ranges and Tactical Supply. White, you ever been to Mexico? Yes, but not to Cabo. <laughs> Would this have been for like something athletics? Pretty much. Basketball the, tournament. Year, years ago, um, when I was working with Colorado State Athletics, uh, they, they would play at uh, UTEP, El Paso. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of different times we went across the border. It wasn't honestly my favorite thing to do necessarily. And it's not like a – it's not where most people go when they go to Mexico to – you know, for R and R, but I wasn't there for R and R. So, but I don't know that much about Mexico or any of that kind of stuff either. So, from what I've heard, I mean, those border towns now in Mexico are actually pretty dangerous. Yes. Um, what would you have gone over, like, just to eat or well, just w- to check it out, or probably for the most part, just to check it out. Uh, there were a couple of people in our party that went there, in all honesty, to buy some. Um, I guess I'll describe them Mexican blankets. For, okay. for relatives. And it's like, I, I literally said, am I going to be safe? <laughs> um, and I, I would say, for the most part, we were that relatively safe. It wasn't like I felt great about it. But, you know, we, we got in and out of there and it was, it was interesting. I, I will say that. I don't know if I'd do it again, but it was okay. Remember when Tang went to Cabo San Lucas and it was like his first press conference back and he talked about it and how amazing it was. And sure. I, it, ever since I've heard about Cabo and him talk about it, because I never really looked into it, uh, and I was like, you know, I started looking up some pictures. I'm like, wow, this place is gorgeous. Yeah. Like, wow. So it's definitely on my list. I'm going to be very jealous on whoever wins the <laughs> passport to Cabo brought to you by BriggsAuto.com. That's uh, a heck of a giveaway that you have a chance to win. No doubt. Uh, speaking of a win, Wyatt, go back a week ago today, um, Kansas Jayhawks were in town. Cats beat them in overtime. Jerome Tang still undefeated in overtime. Final score, 75-70. to 70. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at this game. I mean, it's been a week ago, right? But let's just get your thoughts on the Cats, after being down, what, 11 points early in the second half, they battle back, and then it's just basically a back-and-forth contest. And Cats had a chance to win at the end of regulation. That didn't happen. For the most part, dominated in overtime thanks to very clutch play by Tyler Perry. No doubt. Tyler was really special that night, especially in the second half and in the overtime. And it was such a much-needed win. I mean, I think the the euphoria for me came from the fact that K-State – reeling coming into the game, losing four in a row, found a way, right? It wasn't perfect, but they beat their state rival. They beat the fourth-ranked team in the country, and they did it 
um, doing a lot of quality things. And I think it was a a kick for them that they very much needed in terms of confidence. They out-rebounded Kansas by 10 as an example. You saw what Tyler did. And I think, you know, you look at the the 19 and 11 from Cam Carter, who was really good. K-State's a hard team to beat when Kaluma um, and those other two guys are playing near their, their capabilities. Unfortunately, that didn't necessarily carry over um, into Provo Saturday night. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But this, this was beating, like I say, your state rival in a good ball club um, and found a way. So always feels good when you, when you beat the Jayhawks, and no exception here. And I said it last week, I thought there was a lot of things that had to go right for K-State to get sure. this win. And honestly, a lot of them did actually go right. K-State was the better team from three-point range as KU was a season-worst 20%. And KU does not play as well on the road like they do at home. They've right. struggled on the road this year um, in Big 12 play. Uh, also helped that Kevin McCuller was choking at the free throw line, and he's a great free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, 78% ha- heading into the game, he was one of five. I thought you know, Johnny Furphy bricking threes was also a big help because he had been hot oh. in the last six or seven games prior to that. I mean, he jumps into the starting lineup. He's getting a lot more minutes, and he's hitting shots. He's, yeah. He was dangerous. Well, let, let's. I'll give you some numbers here that that are I think say say everything. Six games prior to the KU K State game, he's averaging just over sixteen points and shooting fifty five percent from three. And in this game, you look at what he did: two for seven, over four, in almost thirty eight and a half minutes. K State did a really good job with him. No question about that. One of the real keys. Also liked uh, another big key for me was K-State, KU played an even game from two. That's because KU, I mean, they crushed Houston inside the arc. KU shot 78% inside the arc against Houston, the best defensive team in the nation. Mm -hmm. And against K-State, they shoot 47%, but so did K-State. But I thought if you played an even game there, that's huge because KU doesn't shoot a lot of threes. They more attack inside. They have right. Hunter Dickinson. Why not? I mean, you got you got a tall lineup. Go inside and attack, and they shoot. I mean, for the Big Twelve, they're I think they shoot the least amount of threes in the conference than anybody else. Yeah, but their percentage is pretty decent because decent, they get yeah. a lot of they get a lot of paint touches with not only Hunter Dickinson but with KJ Adams and Kevin McCuller. McCuller also happens to be one of those guys that will shoot the threes, and. Uh, to go, Dewan Harris can shoot it. He just doesn't as often as the other two guys. And then there's Furphy. They don't have a, a lot of depth. This team, and you're right, they're not what they normally are on the road. But um, I, I just felt like K State. They needed it so badly, and to and to beat that team, and to do it with a four game slide right there was was pretty huge. Meanwhile, then K-State this past Saturday, and Wyatt, you were there, of course, in Provo, first time since the 70s. K-State played at the Marriott Center with over, what, the, the capacity is roughly 18,000 or something like yeah, that? I can tell you exactly. <laughs> I always put it on my chart. It's 17,978. God, that's a big arena. Yeah, it is. And it was relatively packed. Uh, I was talking to Greg Rubel there long-time radio voice there, and they, they were expecting a good crowd. They had a good crowd. They were into it. I, I mean, it's not Allen Fieldhouse necessarily uh, or 
you know, maybe even Hilton in terms of just the the high level of noise all the time. But they're good basketball fans there, and I knew that going in. I'd I'd gone out there several several times in in my previous work in Colorado, and and uh, they, they're good basketball fans. And BYU is, I, I'm going to say, very very underrated when it comes to just the tradition rich history that they bring to the table. They've had a lot of good players over the years, and a lot of good coaches. And it's a it's a really really good quality basketball environment. You know, I a couple of summers ago, I really got into like studying about religions just uh-huh. to learn about what they're all about. And I learned about the Mormon faith. And I you know I was curious like as to when it came to the fan experience of what they did in pregame or during the game that had to do with their Mormon religion. Like, was there a Mormon prayer and all that before the game? And yeah, yeah, and it. Uh, <laughs> It threw off our timing a little bit because yeah. it, it wasn't um, necessarily um, on the on the countdown sheet that you get, uh, but they had a, a prayer and then they had a little girl sing the anthem, and I don't know that it was necessarily the best anthem I've ever heard in my life, but from an effort standpoint, she smoked it. It was an A plus plus, right? The the people there. I, I wish you could have heard the ovation. It, it was it was something. And I think just the experience. They, um, again, this is a proud group of people, and they put on, you know, the halftime show is just so-so, but some of the other stuff, you know, the in-game stuff during the timeouts, and as good as anybody. They, they, seriously. And, and their arena is older, but it's, it's clean. Um, and the, uh, Joni Smoller from our staff was telling me that she – kind of went over through the concourse and some of the eatery places and concession stands, what have you. This, she was just trying to get a feel for what they do from scanning people and you know how they park people to all of that. And she said it was, from that perspective, first rate, all the way through. I will say, for a religion, they're very disciplined people. Yeah, they Very are. disciplined. And, and they take their work very seriously. Um, but I was texting a buddy. I was like, I wonder what a heckle from a – BYU student section is like, hey, <laughs> yeah. your uh, your mom could be a better cook. Right. Like, you know, it's yeah. kind of G-rated in a way, you know, because sure. obviously they don't really cuss or anything like that. But I don't know. I, I Did it get pretty loud in there, though? Sure. Because I know that yeah. they had that one student section, and if you're shooting free throws in that direction, it, you're looking into a zoo, a distraction zoo, and there's a ton of stuff happening. Yeah, and we were told – uh, I think I think this is accurate that that they have six thousand seats in that arena that are for the students. Wow, that's a lot. That's a huge student. Yeah. yeah, and and as you say, many of them are on the ends. But that one end to my left, uh, the South Basket. That I mean, that was a zoo. I mean, they were you know, it, it looked like Cameron Indoor. You know, they were waving stuff and had photos of players and I mean they were they were into it you you could tell and that, and you know what here's the thing just getting into the basketball part of it I think if you appreciate the game okay you would like watching them play at home because they have a lot of pieces they play really smart basketball they're efficient offensively and defensively they don't turn it over they shoot it pretty well although they weren't great from from 3 against K State like they normally are but they still made 8 they were eight of twenty-five, uh, so they're—I mean, their bigs can play. They—they—they they, they, they can play different styles. Good club. 
We'll take your next break. Uh, coming up at 510, we'll leave off the second hour back with men's hoops and how much work they have to do because, of course, still the goal is to make the NCAA tournament, but still a lot of work needs to be done to be on the right side of the bubble, according to Bracketology. But when we come back, we'll talk K-State women's basketball. There was a young lady at Saturday's game that absolutely stole the show. That's coming up next. This is Usher, right? Oh, Bruno Mars. Kind of got that. Feels like an Usher beat, kind of. I don't know. I'll give up on that. Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and A.J. Shaw wearing his lavender polo today. He's also in control of the phones, 785-537-1350. Wyatt, on Saturday, the K-State women survived. That is the key word, survived against an Oklahoma State team at a record of 11-11 heading into that game. Cats win 69-68 as a comeback win after K-State trailed by 7 with 7 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Serena Sundell... Uh, and also Jalen Glenn hitting a clutch three were a big part of K-State's comeback. Uh, you know, before we really get into this game, uh, I want to go to right before tip-off. This was the best part of the night, in my opinion. Um, Saturday was National uh, Girls and Women in Sports Day. Hopefully I didn't but- butcher that. Um, Rob Velker is the public address announcer for K-State women's basketball. He used to do the play-by-play for volleyball here on K-Man. Also used to be the sports director here at K-Man, and now he's doing the, the PA for women's basketball, my old gig. But he did not do the starting lineup. A young lady named Maya, who is a, a grade school kid here in, uh, in Manhattan, I'm not sure where she goes, but I heard her talk to Matt Walters on the broadcast. She said she's nine years old. And she read K-State's starting lineup. Here's a clip of her reading the starting lineup. I thought she was awesome. It's like she had done it before, done <laughs> it many say. times. I mean, her cadence, she really picked it up when she needed she to. She must listen to you or Rob. I don't know. She I, nailed it. Yeah, you know, just right through position, <laughs> height, class, yeah. and then Gabby, you know, really yeah. picked it up when she needed to. And I was like, that was really good. Oh, yeah. I don't know if this young lady knows how good that was. Like, for a first-timer, didn't look nervous. Looked like she had prepared. Just ripped it. Rehearsed once uh, a few times. Yeah, it was yeah. perfect. Wow, I was that's like, awesome. I, I, I put out a tweet. I was like, Rob, I think we just lost our jobs. <laughs> and you know what? I understand because sure. she's good. Yeah. Get her out there. Let's do some four threes and let's really see her. Well, it's all, it's back to the men's game in Provo. I was mentioning that little girl that sang the anthem. Um, she, I mean, her effort was off the charts good. Um, and, and you could tell, I mean, she was just a, a cute, young lady and you could tell she was having the time of her life that's and it sounds like this young lady was exactly the same a little different role but all good Maya I you know if you're listening <laughs> I do the PA for the men's basketball team if you want to do a starting lineup you are more than welcome to <laughs> I I think you you would do a better job than I do I lo- I always lose my voice during the men's lineup just because I'm trying to put a lot into it and I sure. lose my voice way too easily way too easily so uh, that that saved some uh, some gas in my tank a little bit. If you would, you know, wouldn't mind taking over those duties. Anyway, I I if she ever wants to come do it, now, I was gonna yeah. say she she may take you up on it. If somebody's hearing this and tells her that. 
Yeah, we'll get her signed up. Uh, you know, <laughs> give her a little bit of money. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so for the women. They really had to gut this one out. Um, this was also the return of Emily Ebert, who played four years at K-State. She's from Frankfurt. Um, unfortunately, um, she gets hurt on their first possession uh, after entering the game. She was not a starter. Oklahoma State already had some major issues with injuries. They've lost many players for the season. I think maybe a player or two had left the team. So, I mean, to give you an example of just how shorthanded they are, they played seven people. Emily was one of them. She played just 29 seconds because of what appeared to be a season-ending knee injury. Four of their five starters for the Cowgirls had to play 40 minutes. And the only one that didn't play the entire game was Hannah Gusters, who's a, who's a solid five. She's a good shooter. She just kind of squares up and will get in your face and shoot shots. Um, played 28 minutes. So they, they do not have a bench. I mean, they, they just are extremely limited. Yet they took K-State down to the wire. Oklahoma State could have won the game on the final shot, but they just never got really a good look off. And I, you know, for for JCO, I, I did not agree with okay, twenty six seconds left, you're down a point. I I don't agree in those situations. Just run the clock down and get a shot off and see if you get it. I'm more about let's attack. Let's can we can we get a foul called? Can we get to the free throw line? Do we get a shot to go? You know, because if you don't, that leaves some time and you can foul it. At the most, it's a three point game. You get another try to at least tie it. You know. Mm-hmm. But she decided to run it down, and they never really got a good look out, look off. And K State played phenomenal defense there down the stretch. Um, uh, unfortunately for Emily, though, and JC Hoyt was very emotional uh, after the game. She's the head coach and used to be uh, uh, an assistant for Jeff Mitty back in the day before she left for UMKC. And here was JC Hoyt on uh, Emily's injury after the game um I, I don't really know for sure but I know it's not good um it's not good at all uh so I hope I'm wrong she wanted to play so bad today and uh I'm hurting because we lost but I I think I'm I think I'm hurting worse because I know how much that meant to her and um you know, she joined our team because we've been having these, you know, issues and, and losing players to, to injuries, and she didn't have to come back and play for us, and and she did, and she's just been so great, <laughs> and uh, I know our team wanted this really bad for her today, and um, it's, uh, it's it's just so unfortunate. I don't, I don't even have words for it, but um, I don't think the injury is, is good. And despite the injury, despite their, uh, their lack of any depth, they have the Pretty much just playing five starters. They took K-State down to the wire. They shot 52% from three, 11 of 21. It's kind of worst-case scenario because you have Gusters who's so big and can take anybody one-on-one without Aoka Lee, and then they're shooting lights out from outside, which that was pretty scary there for a while. Really feel for Coach there. You can see, hear the emotion. And I was telling you off-air that when we were in Stillwater with the men, the women played after us, and – Emily was out early getting up some shots, and I, I waved and hollered at her, and, and she was busy. So I, you know, but, but after she got done, she came over and spoke and asked her how she was doing and all of that. And, boy, when, and just a you know, week later, this happens. I, I feel so sorry for her because, again, you hear the emotion there. She's a good young lady and uh, wanted, wanted to be on the floor here so badly um, where she once played. And I guess we'll just say, Tough things happen sometimes, and hopefully she'll 
get through the surgery okay and be all right again. So this is now six games without Aoka Lee and Casey. I mean, they've gone four and two. Yeah. Their two losses were on the road against Oklahoma, who's the hottest team maybe in the country just about, and Texas, who's just a really tough athletic team. That was just a rough matchup without Aoka Lee. Uh, Bradley Gunn finishes with 23 points, 16 from Serena Sundell. Serena is playing at an elite level right now. Here's what she has done without Aoka Lee in the lineup. Past six games for Serena, she's averaging 15 points, shooting 52.5%, five and a half rebounds, seven assists, two and a half steals per game. Well, and every time I look at a box score, <clears throat> not most times, every time, she's going to have seven, eight, nine assists or more, and maybe one or two turnovers. Her, yeah. I don't know what her season assist to turnover ratio is, but it's got to be really, really good. I mean, really good. She she is playing terrific basketball. Well, now we have though we've reached the roughly four weeks mark. Yeah, where Aokali had the ankle injury, uh, had to have surgery. She played two games on a bad ankle and was named the national player of the week. Now is hopefully fingers crossed she is ready to return. I had pinpointed and I had circled the Iowa State game, which is in Ames this Wednesday for a six thirty tip off as the hopeful date that she would return. If not, good chance it's against UCF on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. Mitty said it last week, it's sooner rather than later. Hopefully this is the day, Wednesday, it is the sooner part of that statement that Oakley will be back. Well, it'll be exciting to get her back, whether it's Wednesday night in Ames, Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock at home against UCF. Um, it, it's... I think K-State's done just fine without her. Uh, and you mentioned the two teams that they lost to on the road, hard games. But to be 4-2 and two without that type of impactful player and talent and personality and all of that is, 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 is pretty darn good. I, I hope she can go Wednesday. I'm just glad, though, at some point here very, very soon she'll be back. With the exception of Oklahoma State shooting so well from three, I mean, looking at the defensive numbers of what K-State's still giving up, it is above average, but it's still not that bad. You're talking they're giving up an average of 64 points a game or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. – This day and age, that's pretty good. That's that's <laughs> still not too bad at all. Yeah. K-State still statistically is one of the best defenses in the country, even without Aoka Lee. That's going to do it for Hour 1 of Wildcat Insider. Hour number 2 going to feature a preview of TCU, who the K-State men will host on Saturday morning. They do not have a midweek game this week. Plus, Taining Company, what they got to do – to get back on track and get work done to get to the NCAA tournament. Hour two of Wildcat Insider next.